Well, good morning again. Um, it's hard to believe, but last week we celebrated our mamas. It seems like last Sunday was so long ago for, for me. It's been a busy week. I don't know how it, uh, it seems for you, but this week we're celebrating our, our high school graduates and looking forward to doing that with you some more this morning. As I was preparing for this message, I tried to think about significant life events that have occurred um, during these students' lives. And what I realized was that there's been enormous amounts of tragedies that they've experienced. Um, Think about some of these. In um, 2003, the space shuttle Columbia exploded upon reentry. In December of 2004, the worst tsunami ever recorded struck Indonesia. In 2005, Hurricane Katrina hit Louisiana. In 2008, the financial market crashed. In 2010 was the Haiti earthquake. 2013, the Boston Marathon bombing occurred. There have been countless wars during their lifetime. In 2020, the world shut down because of COVID. And right now, we are experiencing one of the worst seasons of inflation ever. But there's also been some technological advancements over their lifetime. YouTube was born, the iPhone, Kindle. In 2012, the Nintendo Wii, which is still one of the greatest game consoles ever, in my opinion. Um, There was the privatization of space travel with companies like SpaceX, There's the self-driving car, which I'm still not real comfortable with, Um, the birth of cryptocurrency, as well as social media. Much has happened over the course of these students' 17 or 18 years of life, and we know much more will occur as well. This morning, what we are looking at, our message is entitled, Having a Walking Faith. So if you have your Bibles, and I hope you do, turn with me this morning to Genesis chapter 5. And as we've done um, since this sermon series has begun, um, our title is In the Beginning, God. But what we've done is we've read Genesis 1-1 together, so let's do that now. You ready? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. He is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. So this morning, we are celebrating our seniors And we're going to celebrate them by looking at one of my favorite Bible characters in God's Word, a man by the name of Enoch. And what we can learn from Enoch is this. Enoch had a pleasing faith, and I pray for all of us, like Enoch, we too will have a pleasing faith. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me again to Genesis chapter 5. And we're going to read this chapter together. And as we read this, what we're going to find is that this chapter really is like walking through a cemetery. So notice these words. This is a book of the generations of Adam. When God created man, he made him in the likeness of God. Male and female, he created them and blessed them and named them man when they were created. When Adam had lived 130 years, he fathered a son in his own likeness after his image and named him Seth. The days of Adam after he fathered Seth were 800 years, and he had other sons and daughters. Thus, all the days that Adam lived were 930 years, and he died. When Seth had lived 105 years, he fathered Enosh. Seth lived after he fathered Enosh 807 years and had other sons 
and daughters. Thus all the days of Seth were 912 years, and he died. When Enos had lived 90 years, he fathered Kenan. Enos lived after he fathered Kenan 815 years and had other sons and daughters. Thus all the days of Enos were 905 years, and he died. When Kenan had lived 70 years, he fathered Mahalel. Kenan lived after he fathered Mahalel 840 years and had other sons and daughters. Thus all the days of Kenan were 910 years, and he died. When Mahalel had lived 65 years, he fathered Jared. Mahalel lived after he fathered Jared 830 years and had other sons and daughters. Man, this is a mouthful. Um, I, I apologize for these names. I don't know what these parents were thinking. But in verse 18, we read, When Jared had lived 162 years, he fathered Enoch. Jared lived after he fathered Enoch 800 years and had other sons and daughters. Thus all the days of Jared were 962 years and he died. When Enoch had lived 65 years, he fathered Methuselah. Enoch walked with God after he fathered Methuselah 300 years and had other sons and daughters. Thus all the days of Enoch were 365 years. Enoch walked with God and he was not for God took him away. When Methuselah had lived 187 years, he fathered Lamech. Methuselah lived after he fathered Lamech 782 years and had other sons and daughters. Thus all the days of Methuselah were 969 years and he died. When Lamech had lived 182 years, he fathered a son and called his name Noah, saying, Out of the ground that the Lord had cursed, this one shall bring us relief from our work and from the painful toil of our hands. Lamech lived after he fathered Noah 595 years and had other sons and daughters. Thus all the days of Lamech were 777 years and he died. After Noah was 500 years old, Noah fathered Shem, Ham, and Jepheth. So eight times... In this passage of scripture, we read the account of a person being born and then a person dying. Even though each of these people lived hundreds of years, there was still that final moment that they all experienced where they closed their eyes and they died. But did you notice in this passage of scripture, there was one man who did not die. His name was Enoch, and we are told of Enoch that he walked with God, and he was not. And that is who we're going to look at together this morning. The first thing that we see here is that Enoch was a father. In verses 21 and 22, again, we read, When Enoch had lived 65 years, he fathered Methuselah. Enoch walked with God after he fathered Methuselah 300 years and had other sons and daughters. So here's the thing about Enoch. While others just walked the face of the earth, Enoch walked with God. And I hope that's the testimony of each of our lives, that we too find ourselves all of the days of our lives walking with God. I I read this illustration about a mom and son and family as they were heading back um, from church one Sunday. The mom turned to her son and said, what did you learn in Sunday school today? And the little boy said, we learned about Enoch this morning. He had a big old smile on his face, and his mom was like, tell me a little bit about Enoch. And, and the little boy goes, well, Enoch and God, they had a really special relationship. And, and Enoch and God, they would go on walks together. And they would walk and talk together. They would talk and walk together. And they did this every day. And then one day they went out on one of these walks and they went for a really long time and they got really far away from from Enoch's home. And God just looked down at Enoch and said, Enoch, we're closer to my home today than we are yours. So why don't you just come on home with me? That's a great story. And so he did. 
That's a great story, but I hope that story resembles every single one of our lives. I pray that our walk with God will be that special. We're told in this passage of Scripture that at the age of 65, Enoch had a son and named him Methuselah. Now, we don't know what Enoch's walk was like for the first 65 years of his life, but we know what it was like the final 300 years of his life. Um, many scholars um, and theologians um, make the assumption here that it wasn't until after Methuselah was born that Enoch really got serious about his walk with the Lord. And I began to think about that, and, and um, how many times has a life event got your attention? And, and, and you just um, maybe it was the birth of a child. And you turned to your spouse and you said, hey, it's time that we get back in church. It's time that we get our relationship um, moving in the right direction with the Lord. Maybe it was a sickness that you went through. And during that sickness, man, you spent a great deal of time of prayer and study. And on the other side of that sickness, or maybe even as you went through that sickness, you recommitted your life to the Lord and you got serious about your relationship. Maybe it was a job transition that got your attention or a breakup or maybe a divorce. But there was something in your life that turned your heart maybe from the ways of this world to the Lord. And, and, and these scholars and theologians believe that that's what it was with Enoch. We're not told that. That is an assumption. But all of us know there's been those moments in our lives, those big moments that have gotten our attention. And what we know for all of our students is that there's going to be some life events that will get their attention. As soon as you're going to go through some storms in your life that are going to be devastating. You're going to experience much joy in your life, but there's also going to be moments of devastation. And the same is true for all of us. Regardless of the season that we go through, let us keep our eyes fixed upon Jesus. Next, we see that Enoch was faithful. In verse 24, we read, Enoch walked with God and he was not, for God took him. I don't know if there is a better testimony in all of scripture than that testimony right there. And he was not, for God took him away. God honors those who live by faith. He uses them to change the world. He uses both the young and the old to change the world, doesn't he? Every single person in this room today can still change the world for the Lord Jesus Christ. Both our 17 and 18-year-olds down here, as well as our 80-year-olds out there. All of us can change the world. One of the most radical testimonies I've ever read outside of the Word of God was that of an unknown man that had inscribed on his tombstone, he lived his life as he died a Christian. As I think about that man, I often wonder what kind of dad was he if he ever had a child? What kind of a husband was he if he ever married? What kind of son was he? This man lived his life in such a way that other people acknowledged that he was a Christian and they ascribe upon his headstone that he lived his life as he died a Christian. Oh, that you and I would make that kind of impact upon this world. In Hebrews chapter 11, we read of some of those men and women in the pages of the Old Testament that impacted the world. 
Um, Hebrews chapter 11 is often referred to as um, the hall of faith. It's, It's the Bible's version of the hall of fame. These individuals were not perfect, but they were set apart by God, both men and women, and described as being faithful. Read with me in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 4. We read, by faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous. God commending him by accepting his gifts. And through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. What I love about Abel here and all these other faith champions is this. Um, we know that Abel, because we've looked at this um, um, with, at Abel during our Genesis study, we know that he was the very first human that ever saw physical death because he was killed by his brother um, Cain. But what we know in Hebrews chapter 11 is thousands of years after his his death, his life still speaks on. Some of your translations say that his life still preaches on. Man, I hope that long after we're gone, long after we've closed our eyes for the final time on this side of eternity, I pray that all of our lives will still preach on, still give testimony of of our relationship with the Lord. Like Enoch, we read here in verse 5, by faith Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death, and he was not found because God had taken him. Now before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. Because of Enoch's faithfulness and because of his walk, the Lord took him away. I don't know about you, but I want to have that kind of a walk. Ray Pritchard shares that walking implies a number of things. First, you have to be in the same place at the same time in order to walk together, right? Let's just say that tomorrow um, um, I I, I, I tell Caitlin, hey, Caitlin, uh, meet me at the church and we're going to walk together. And so I meet at the church, and she meets over at Celebration Park in Allen. It's going to be a hard time. It's going to be hard for us to walk together, right? Or if I tell Matthew, hey, Matthew, I want you to meet me tomorrow at 7 o'clock at the church, and we're going to walk up and down Stacy Road together. And I show up at 7 a.m., and he shows up at 7 p.m. It's going to be real hard for us to walk together, right? We may still walk but we're not going to be walking together. Walking together implies a shared commitment to be at the same place at the same time going in the same direction together. For Enoch to walk with God, it meant that every day he was committed to go where God was leading him. Wherever God went, Enoch went too. He did this day after day, week after week, year after year, decade after decade, and century after century. You and I often have a hard time with this because instead of us going where the Lord leads, what do we do sometimes? Man, we dictate to the Lord where we want the Lord to go, right? We're out front of the Lord. And every time that I've tried to get ahead of the Lord, it's ended up with me falling on my face. You will not be successful if you get out ahead of the Lord. But if you walk with the Lord and walk behind the Lord and go with the Lord, then you can be certain that you are going to experience success in life, biblical success. Scripture tells us that Enoch, like those of old, had a pleasing faith. In Hebrews eleven six, we read, And without faith it is impossible to please him, for, for whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Let's look at a few different ways that you and I can have a pleasing faith. The first way that we have a pleasing faith is we must, faith is developed from believing. We must recognize that. The key to having a pleasing faith is to believe. 
to come to the point in our lives where we have an encounter with the God of the universe. We must admit that we are a sinner. We must repent of our sins. And the Bible says that we must confess with our mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead. And the Bible says if we do that, then we shall be saved. In fact, in Romans 10, 13, we read, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You want to have a pleasing faith? You first have to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Next, we see that faith is developed through study. Our faith is developed when we hear God's word and study God's word and apply his word to our life. I want you to think about the amount of time that you have been exposed to the word of God during your lifetime. You five right here, just think for a moment. How much time you have been exposed to God's word through Sunday school, through church services, through Bible studies that you've been a part of, through Wednesday night study, through school. I mean, you have been exposed to the Word hundreds of hours over the course of your lifetime. Most of us in this room have been exposed to the Word of God for thousands of hours over the course of our lifetimes. What we have had the privilege of doing is we have had the privilege of hearing the Word preached and taught. We have been able to hold the word. Many of you have hidden the word in your heart. You have found help in the word of God as you have studied it. We've sung the word like we did this morning. But every single person has to come to the point in their lives where they respond to the word of God and respond to it unto salvation. Have you done that? Have you responded to the word of God? If you were to die today, do you know for certain where you would spend eternity. If you do not, then this morning at the conclusion of our service, I want to invite you to make the greatest decision that you could ever make. We need to take God's word and we need to live it out. God's word is a life-transforming word. Enoch was transformed by God because of the amount of time that he spent with God. When we dive into God's word, the same can happen to us. In 2 Timothy 3, verses 16 and 17, we read, All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. You know what God's Word does? God's Word makes us better, doesn't it? Makes us better students, makes us better parents, makes us better grandparents, makes us better sons and daughters, better employees, better employers. It makes us better followers of Jesus, doesn't it? Next, we see that faith is developed by going. Our faith is not to be idle, but our faith should be a going faith. Notice Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. Most of us are real familiar with verses 8 and 9, but sometimes we skip over verse 10. But we read in this passage of Scripture, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no no one may boast. In verse 10 we read, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We are saved by grace 
through faith. But did you notice here that our salvation is not the end of the story? It is just the beginning. I've heard so many people over the course of my ministry say um, of other people and maybe even themselves, man, um, you know, my faith is between me and God. It's a private thing. You know what? Your faith is not just between you and God. The Word of God makes it clear that our faith is to be a public faith. We, we read here again in verse 10, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. We're not saved by the works that we do. Don't, don't miss that. But we are saved unto good works. When we get saved, that should drive us outside the doors of this church to, to our places of employment, our schools, our homes, and in our communities where we um, are actively sharing the Word of God with those that we come in contact with. Let us not have a lazy faith, but let us have an active faith. I mean, think about our seniors for just a moment. Okay, um, most of us are familiar with this, but but seventy percent of graduating students from high school, after they graduate, they will stop going to church or go in a very limited capacity. I don't know about you, but that is an alarming statistic to me. You and I need to pray for our students, for these five, for those that are on the back row there, for our college graduates, for our young adults. We need to pray that they don't abandon the family of God, but they come together with other people, making up the family of God, committed to do community together. Man, let's pray for these seniors. Man, I don't know what God has in store for them all of them pretty much know what they want to do, but sometimes God has other plans, doesn't he? You know, many of us went to college thinking we were going to do one thing, and you may have left college doing something totally different. For these students here, we don't know this, but man, the Lord may call one or multiple of them into the gospel ministry. Man, God may call them to be missionaries, um, maybe here or maybe across the world somewhere. But our prayer for each one of these students and for everyone in this room is that all of us will turn the world upside down for Jesus. One of my favorite passages of Scripture, and I have a lot of them, and I tell you that all the time, but, but one of my favorites is found in Acts chapter 17. In Acts chapter 17, Paul and Silas comes into the city of Thessalonica, and they go um, into the synagogue, which they did pretty much everywhere they went. And they began to preach the word of God. And, and in those settings, many people would come to know Christ as their Lord and Savior, both men and women. But most of the time, whenever Paul and Silas would go into the synagogue or hit the streets, they would experience much persecution. Um, sometimes they'd be run out of town. Sometimes they would be um, thrown into prison. There were times in Paul's life where he was beaten, where he was stoned, um, where he was left for dead. Um, and in this particular instance of Scripture, I want to read to you beginning in verse 4 of what happened to these men um, in Thessalonica. 
And we read here, beginning in verse 4, And some of them were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas and did a great many of the devout Greeks and not a few of the leading women. But the Jews were jealous. And taking some wicked men of the rabble, they formed a mob, set the city in an uproar, and attacked the house of Jason, seeking to bring them out to the crowd. And in verse 6, notice these words, And when they could not find them, They dragged Jason and some of the brothers before the city authorities, shouting, These men who have turned the world upside down have come here also. What a great testimony that a lost person could say about us. These men, these women, these students have turned the world upside down for Jesus. May that be said of all of us in this room. The last thing that we see here this morning is Enoch was taken. In verse 24, we read, Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. And so again, Enoch, for 300 years, walked with God and talked with God, and one day God looked down at Enoch and said, hey, you're coming home with me. Man, what an amazing testimony. But what we get with this um, passage of Scripture is a picture of the rapture. There is going to come a day when the Lord Jesus Christ is going to return for his church. If we're lucky enough during our lifetime for that to occur, then in a split second, you and I will will be in this room or wherever we are, and in the next moment, we're going to be in the presence of the Lord. Jesus spoke of that in Matthew 26, where Jesus said, But concerning the day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but the Father only. For as were the days of Noah, so will the coming of the Son of Man. For as in the house, I'm sorry, for in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking marrying and giving in marriage until the day when Noah entered the ark. And they were unaware until the flood came and swept them all away. So will be the coming of the Son of Man. The two men will be in the field. One will be taken and one left. Two men will, or two women will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken and one left. Therefore, stay awake, for you do not know what day the Lord is coming. But know this, that if the master of the house had known and what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and would not have let his house be broken into. Therefore, you also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. There is coming a day when the Lord is going to return for his church. And for the believers, we know that to be absent from the body is to be present with the Christ. In this, in this instance, our body and our souls are going to be in the presence of the Lord. Let me ask you a question, though. If the rapture, if this story, this passage of Scripture that we just read were to happen today, would you be raptured? Do you know without a shadow of a doubt that you would be in the presence of the Lord if Jesus were to return today? If you don't know, Again, at the end of this service, I want to invite you to come and make the greatest decision that you could ever make. This past week, I walked through um, the Fitzhugh Cemetery, which is just around the corner um, from here. And as I walked through that cemetery, I just, um, kind of like I did whenever I found that one headstone, he lived his life as he died a Christian. I was just walking through that cemetery, just, just reading um, the different inscriptions that were on those headstones. Every single one of those headstones had one thing in common. Every one had a date of birth, right? Um, 
Not all of them had a date of death because some people have planned ahead and they have actually purchased their burial site, but the vast majority of of them also had a date of death. But as I walked through that cemetery, I did see saying after saying. I also came across several headstones that had scripture written out. On one headstone, um, there was John 14, 2, in my father's house are many mansions. And another, on another headstone was 2 Timothy 4, 7, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. And on one of those headstones, it had a gospel presentation. It had written out John three sixteen. for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Underneath that, it had written out John 14, 1 through 3, which, which where Jesus is talking about going to prepare a place for his believers. And then the last verse on that headstone was Ephesians 2.8, which we read a second ago. It is by grace that you have been saved through faith. This is not of yourself, but it is a gift of God. As I read those scriptures, I thought that right there should describe all of our lives. Our lives should be a gospel story. Our death should still preach the gospel long after we are gone. We should be living out the gospel today. That is the idea of having a walking faith. Here's a question for you this morning. What will be written about your life or what will be said about your life when you are gone? I pray for all of us that we will make our days count. Let's live for the Lord. Let's serve the Lord. Let's change the world for the world or for the Lord, and let's turn the world upside down, just like Jason and Paul and all the other biblical faith champions did. Let's make a commitment that we're going to be changed by the word. Let's hear God's word, hold God's word, hide God's word, find help in God's word, sing God's word, pray God's word, respond to God's word. And let's also share God's word with those that we come in contact with. You know, this morning as we conclude our our time together, I'm going to lead us in a time of prayer, and then I'm going to be standing down here at the front. If you have yet to respond to the word of God, if you have yet to enter into a relationship with Jesus Christ, I want to invite you today to make the greatest decision that you could ever make, and that is to repent of your sins and to confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. And the Bible says if you do that and if you believe that, then you shall be saved. If you're not, you come this morning. Let's stand together. I want to lead us in a time of prayer. Lord Jesus, we come before you this morning. Father, just thanking you for men in the Bible, like Enoch, who walked with you, who talked with you, who didn't get ahead of you, he didn't lag behind you, but he walked with you. Father, may that be said of every man, woman, student, and child in this room. After our days are up, May it be said of us that we walked with you in a faithful way. Father, I pray this morning, if there is someone here that is yet to enter into a relationship with you, that today 
they will make the greatest decision of their life where they confess with their mouth that you are Lord and believe in their heart that you raised your son Jesus from death to life. And they make a commitment to follow after you. I pray that today will be the day of their salvation. Move now during this time of invitation. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If there's a decision you need to make, you come this morning. You come.